Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in the series we're doing called Life in His Story. And this series, what we're doing is we're, we're uh, discussing the church calendar, the church year, the historical church calendar, and we're using it as a way to sort of focus our devotional time with the Lord, to get points of reflect, reflection from the uh, yearly church calendar. Uh, and uh, I just think it's a very helpful way of knowing how we fit in his story. Um, we talk about living in his story all the time, but um, using this sort of church calendar that, that um, what it does is it highlights throughout the year the redemptive acts of the Messiah. And as we sort of use them as reflection points, I think it just really helps us stay more connected um, to the bigger picture and to the church historical and all that that means. And, and uh, so it's just a very helpful sort of thing to understand. And so, um, you know, the church calendar starts in December with Advent, where we talk about the coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. And then it moves into Christmas, where we talk about the incarnation. Uh, then uh, into the Epiphany season, where Jesus is manifest to the Gentiles and what that's all about. And then the season that we finished just recently of three weekends that all have Latin names that basically mean 70, 60, and 50 days before Easter. And now we're heading um, full on to Easter in the season of Lent. Um, Lent is all about preparing us for Easter. Easter is when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Now, obviously, as believers, we celebrate that every day, but it's the, it's the big focus and focal point of the year, Jesus going to the cross, defeating death, and rising again. And so uh, Lent is about preparing for that, um, you know, um, spiritually. Um, most people have heard of Lent, even if they have no idea of the Christian calendar because of, you know, sort of the cultural cliches, oh, I gave it up for Lent. Uh, and uh, for some people, then Lent has just become a season when they always sort of give something up. But really, um, the idea behind Lent isn't about so much about giving something up. It's about uh, realizing our absolute dependence on God. And that uh, in, in sort of maybe laying something down for a while, it should heighten your realization of your dependence on God. If it doesn't, you're, you're probably not... Doing, doing it the way you should be. Because uh, it's not, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just doing that to earn favor or whatever. It's, it's all about realizing our absolute dependence on God and what he's done for us and what he continues to do for us and what he's promised to do for us. And, and uh, particularly focusing in on the events of the cross and uh, um, defeating death and the resurrection. So we're using this season uh, to talk about and reflect on the spiritual battle that we're in uh, as believers. Uh, in, uh, normally Lent is about um, fasting and praying and giving, which is all part of um, what we're involved in. Uh, you know, Jesus defeated the evil one at the cross, and yet uh, he's not fully aware of that yet or convinced of that, and so there's sort of these ongoing mop-up operations happening. Um, we're the body of Christ, so we're involved in the battle. Our, our job is to tell people that, that there's a way to be reconciled to God. The enemy is trying to keep people in darkness. And so there's, there's a battle going on around us for people's souls, eternal destiny. And so we need to be fully engaged in this battle and, and aware of the fact that that's what's happening. There's something much bigger than just our immediate sort of temporary lives that we're involved in. And so we're, we're reflecting on uh, situations and, and things about being involved in this battle. We talked in the first week uh, of Lent about uh, the importance of reading the scripture and of the uh, tactics of the evil one, 
who uses you know, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life over and over and over again to get us to, to fall. Um, last week we talked about the importance of staying focused on Jesus because the enemy also is always trying to distract us. And this week as we move into the third Sunday in Lent, we're going to talk about living with integrity because and, and, it takes integrity to stay engaged in the battle. Little story for you before we move deeply into our discussion. Uh, one evening after work, a man drove his secretary home after she was unable to start a car. Not desiring to concern his wife, he decided not to mention it to her. Um, and later that night, the man and his wife were driving out to have dinner when the man spotted a high-heeled shoe hidden under the passenger seat. Pointing to something out the passenger window to distract his wife, he picks up the shoe and he pitches it out his own window. They arrive at the restaurant a short time later and we're about to get out of the car when his wife asked, Honey, uh, have you seen my other shoe? Now, I know that's bad, but see, <laughs> I was talking about integrity today and I thought that whole problem happened because the, the guy was a little concerned about just nothing happened. He should have just been, you know, up front. With, with, uh, with his wife there because nothing had gone. It was a simple ride home, but he just thought, well, you know, and sometimes it's that sort of weird gray area that just kind of spins us into other problems because now all of a sudden he sees a shoe and he doesn't want to explain that because he didn't say anything when he should have. I love the fact that he pitches it. And then uh, I just think that's great. Pardon me. I liked it. I laughed hysterically. But I put the scripture reading here because I thought it would, it would have that exact reaction that it was having with you guys. Luke 11, 14 through 28. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute, and when the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. And when a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. And then it says, I'll return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live here, there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And he replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And blessed be the word of the Lord. And you think, well, that's an interesting passage of scripture to talk about integrity, but to me, it's all about integrity. And, and um, the, Jesus says at the very end of that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And he, and he teaches in, in the midst of his discussion there, the importance of not being a house divided or a kingdom divided. And so integrity is living in a way that what you say you believe and how you're trying to live your life match up. Now we talk about living by trying to do the next right thing. It's the same concept here um, that, that if as believers we're going to be uh, people who say and, and 
you know, with all our heart want to love God, then our lives need to also sort of come alongside of that and begin to match up wherever we can get them to match up. And so uh, this is the process that we're all engaged in. And this is a big part of, of, the, of the battle is becoming the people of God who are desperately trying to live out what we say we believe. And, and yet we have so many opportunities in our lives to do things that lack integrity, to do things that are just off a little bit. And we need to be very careful uh, in this process that we're asking God to help us all the time become people of integrity um, and, and living by trying to do the next right thing. So I have a few ideas to help with that that I just want to run by you um, because I think this is such a foundational part of what we do. The first point in your notes is this, live like someone is watching. I thought, well, maybe that would creep some people out a little bit, but um, I think it's very freeing, and I, I think if you'll hear me out, you'll, you'll get there with me. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Keep watch on the wicked, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. God is always watching, um, and, and so we need to be aware of that uh, in our lives, and I, I think it might be helpful for you to think about you know, what it would be like if you were, um, if you really lived like you believed that that was true. Um, I think we say it, but I, I think a lot of times we, we, we sort of just, when we, when we think we're alone, um, we, we might be a little different than when we think someone is watching. And, and uh, at, my, at the gym that I go to here on Big Pine now, um, the place is surrounded inside with these little webcams um, because it's not usually staffed, this gym. And, and so there's someone watching on the webcam all the time. And, uh, and off-season, I'm in there alone a lot. The gym's not all that busy off-season. And, and yet I know that someone's watching me. And it's not like I would do anything really wild, except maybe I think sometimes I might, if I was all alone, get in front of the mirrors and do, you know, a pose down or something. And, and yet because all those cameras are around, I never happen because I'm afraid that, that if I would do something ridiculous like that, someone's watching it and they're videotaping it. It's going to go on YouTube or something. And... Uh, so it makes, me, it makes me think a little bit about what I'm doing. And, and I only bring that up to say this. Um, what, what if, because uh, here's my other thing. Have you ever been somewhere in a room where you thought you were all alone? And then all of a sudden you realized someone else was in the room? Either they walked in without you knowing it or they'd been there all along. And is your first reaction like, <gasps> What was I doing? What did I say? What do I, do I need to apologize? Have you ever, do you know what I'm talking about? You ever had that, <gasps> someone's here because you were sort of just kind of being. And here's my thing. I think a lot of times we, we live uh, in, in the public eye different than we just live. And, and so we sort of put on masks um, you know, trying to put on sort of the best front all the time. But what I'm saying is, what I think God wants to do in us is get us to a place where we're just being us all the time and that, that we're not doing things that we need to hide anyway, even because we think someone's not watching. See, he just wants us to stop that because it's not good for us. Anything that you're doing that, that other people can't see, you shouldn't be doing. I mean, th that's the reality uh, in our lives. And so um, I think he wants us to be, just become who we are in the process and begin to live uh, in a way where we're all the time just trying to do the next right thing in our lives. Um, God is watching and it's okay to be we are who we are in front of him. We don't have to pretend for him, 
but we need to be yielding to the Spirit and always growing in Him in the course of our lives. And then it shouldn't matter. It just should never matter. If you, you should just live in a, in a way that it shouldn't matter if someone's watching or not. Isn't that, isn't that good? Have you ever, like, been somewhere talking to someone and, and then all of a sudden you, you couldn't help yourself and you engaged in, like, gossip or something? Or you started talking about somebody and you were talking about them and all of a sudden you realized they were sitting right behind you? You ever had that happen? How about if you just didn't ever do that? So it should never matter. You should never have to scan the room to see who's in there. How about that? Because you shouldn't be saying things. If you can't say it, do you, do you get it? There's something very, very freeing in that that God wants us to experience, and it has to do with integrity in our lives. So what he wants us to do, second point, is to live a life that pleases him. We need to live a life that pleases God. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1, finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. He wants us to be working on this all the time. And what you need to know is that to be working on this, it's not something that we can do in our own strength. This type of living is not possible without God's help. You can't perform this. You can't pretend this. You, you can't... Um, you can't outwardly sort of affect this in your life with a behavior modification. This is something that the Lord has to do on the inside of you um, by his spirit. And we need to know that we're a work in progress. And, and see, in doing that, what you have to know is in order to really get this is you have to push performance away and you have to just trust that God loves you where you're at. And that he, he will empower you to keep doing the next right thing and to do that better and better. That when you do mess up, you can go running back to God and ask him to forgive you. And that he will always forgive you. Always. That God loves you and he's for you. And, and you need to know that there will never come a time, no matter how often you, you don't get life right, where God won't forgive you. It's not an option. You need to know it's a non-option. He will always forgive you. Because if you ever thought that there could be something that he didn't forgive you, then you wouldn't go ask for it. He will always forgive his kids. Now, I say that, and then I know people get, that doesn't mean that we can go and do whatever we want to do. My, my, the, the caveat in this is that if we're really trying to live lives to please God, sometimes we will mess up because we're, we're dealing with sin natures. However, that's not what we want to continue to do. We want to live the way he wants us to live. We want to live lives that please him. And so when we mess up, we just go and ask for forgiveness. And because he loves us, he empowers us then by his spirit to do the next right thing. And so we're in process. And I just want you to know that you're in process so that you don't have to pretend. See, people that don't allow themselves to be in process, you know where they have to go? They have to go to pretend and then they have to go to legalism because they're going to have to throw some rules on it that they're trying to live by outwardly, but the inside is a mess. That Jesus always said that. You know, you, you, you're whitewashed on the outside, but you're dead man's bones on the inside. None of us want to be that. Um, integrity means I'm a work in progress. And I, I know it cost God a lot for me to be a work in progress, but he loves me so much that he allows me to be a work in progress. And that it's a constant sort of thing that I'm going through to become a, a person of integrity for him. And it's not just publicly. Uh, you know, if, if, if I could portray to you that I'm some... some somewhat a person of integrity, that would be good. But if my wife and kids don't think that, I've completely missed it, right? It's there that the, the, the I want to say mustard hits the road, and I don't know why I want to say that. That's not right. <laughs> the rubber hits the road. Thank you, David. How did I get mustard? It's kind of like rubber, 
That's really strange. But thank you for knowing where I was going with that, because I was stuck. I appreciate that. Where the rubber hits the road. <sighs> That's where it happens <laughs> in the process. So, um, we need to live by doing the next right thing. Knowing these with us, for us will empower us. And then finally, third, we need to live to change the world for Jesus. See, we, we have a, a mission. And there's something about knowing that you're a person of, of a, you're a missional person, you're a person with a purpose that will help you to be a person of integrity. This is not all about you. Life is never found in trying to make your life work. Life is always found in trying to tap into the will of God. That's where life is. We experience life in his story now and forever by figuring out that life is found in him and, and doing the things that he would have us do. And so what he would have us do is live as a people who desire to change the world for him. We get that that's our mission. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So we have a mission. Our, our lives have a God-given purpose, uh, bigger than just revolving around us. And life is always experienced in his story as people of mission and purpose. And so we're to live in this world like Jesus did. Becoming people of integrity is a part of the process. But also letting people know that there's a way for them to be reconciled to God. I had uh, this thought that I've been pondering. It's actually been something uh, I've worked through my brain now for the last five or six years. Uh, and this is the thought, because um, we're people of mission and purpose. And we're, we call ourselves the Vineyard Community Church. And th this was, has been my thought. Um, if all of a sudden we were no longer here, would the community miss us? That's a pretty big thought. I know, I, I get, I, my hope, I'm pretty sure the people would miss us. You guys would miss if we weren't here. But, but would, would, would the community miss us? And um, that's really um, had a lot to do with, uh, with driving some of the things that we're doing because uh, I think now at some level people would say yes, um, but, but we've got to keep pushing through that. Our, our passion needs to be that we're people of mission of one more, trying to get one more lost child back to dad. And that that passion moves into every area of our lives, keeping us from being self-focused and having the bigger picture in our lives. And, and so, because uh, not that long ago, um, there was a lot of people who'd lived here their whole lives that didn't know this church was even here. It used to make me insane. I'd talk to someone that lived here their whole lives, and they'd go, I've never heard of the vineyard. Oh, man. Um, that's much harder now, because we've, we've actually really worked on being a presence so that we can tell people about the love of God for them. And, and uh, it makes a huge difference. So, so uh, see, we stand against evil by introducing light into the darkness and, and living as people of integrity in this life. And, and here's the thing, last little thing, I'm about to wrap up. When you choose to walk in integrity, when you go, that's it, I, I need to be a person of integrity, you can count on God to help you. Remember, I've taught you this, when you need help, just cry out to God to help you. I, I taught you a prayer that works perfectly for this. Help! It's a great prayer. I encourage you to use it regularly. And God will answer that prayer and give you the direction that you need. A quick story. We, we were at Disney World last week watching the grandkids. They had a blast. And, and uh, it was time to come back. And um, I, 
I, I have the Garmin on, which I should listen to. But I see this thing, and then I see another exit. The Garmin's telling me to go here, and the next exit says Florida Turnpike, and I don't want to go there, and I think, I think the Garmin's wrong, and I shoot down to the next exit. And, and for, for a little while, there's these signs that say Florida's Turnpike, and I feel like I'm going well, and I've just blocked out the, turn, the Garmin altogether. And then all of a sudden, the signs dry up. There's no more signs for the Turnpike. And I'm too far to sort of go back, and, and so I'm driving down, and I, I actually, I get on 27, because I know at least it's heading in the right direction, but I go, I don't want to go home on 27, because there's traffic lights forever. And, and then, you know, that feeling, I should have listened to the Garmin, I didn't, I tried to, you know, I'll just do it this way, I'll do it my way, and, and then I have to do the, the unmanly thing of stopping at the gas station and asking for directions, and we... Pu- we pull, in, you're gonna, we pull into this gas station, and I, I, I had needed gas anyway, so it could have justified it. And then I walk in, and uh, Alice wanted a soda. And I walk in, and there's these three guys sitting there. And obviously, this is where they have their coffee clutch in the morning. It's not a really nice place. I don't know why, but you can tell that they're thin. And so, this is funny. So, <laughs> so I, I walk into these three guys, and I'm getting a soda, and I, I look at one of them who sort of look at me, and I say, hey, uh, do you live around here? And, and he doesn't understand what I'm saying. He points at me. Yeah, the restrooms are on that side of the building. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just, I need some directions. I said, I, how, is there a way that I can get back to the turnpike? And one of the other guys turns around and goes, turnpike? What, you going to Boca? And I, <laughs> it caught me by such a pride. I'm like, what? Boca, you going to Boca? I said, well, no. He said, well, Boca's nice. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then they don't tell me anything. These other two guys start having a discussion about Boca. And the other guy says to me again, yeah, the bathroom's around the back of the building. I'm like, no, no. I just want to get to the turnpike. No, don't take the turnpike to Boca. You want to get on 95. Then you don't pay tolls. <laughs> I just need the turnpike. And one of them okay, go down 12 miles and get on Route 60 and you'll get there. Uh, and, and they were still talking about Boca as I left. And I came out to my wife in the van and I'm like, so what? You want to go to Boca? <laughs> I only say that to say this. Unlike those guys who are trying to send me to the restroom I don't need to go to at the time and to send me to Boca where I don't really want to go, if you ask God for direction, he'll give you the right directions every time. And you can count on him. He's not going to send you to Boca. Well, unless he needs you to go to Boca. Uh, And uh, Anyway, walk with integrity so you can experience life now and forever in his story. Amen? Amen. Give me one second. If you're watching uh, by video or on television, thank you so much for spending this time with us. We know how valuable your time is. If you need prayer, go to our website, keysvineyard.com, hit the prayer page, and we'll be happy to pray for you. And uh, come and visit us whenever you can. We're going to close here with prayer.